Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. Hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones, and welcome to Hardcore Church Planning. I am today with a friend and coworker, uh, Dustin Willis. He is the author of Life on Life in Community and the co-author of Life on Mission. He has a brand new book that I would like to introduce you to today called The Simplest Way to Change the World. In addition, Dustin is also the chief marketing officer. Did I say that right? You did get it right. I don't know that I like the fact that chief is in my title, but we'll go with it. Head honcho of marketing, the big cheese, ladies and gents, that we could say all those things. The grand poobah, right? I mean, I'll stop, right? But uh, anyways, you should. Dustin you should stop, Willis, yes. welcome. I, I should stop. I should just stop podcasting altogether. Let's be honest, right? So, hey, welcome <laughs> to the show, man. Great to be on. Good to talk with you, Ping. Awesome. Well, hey, um, tell me a little bit. One of the things we always like to do is we like to hear, A, how you came to faith, and B, how you got involved with this crazy little thing called church planting. Yeah. Uh, so quickly, I was 11 years old. I actually went to one of those big, crazy revivals, and uh, I was not much for the emotional kind of thing and saw all these people going down front to give their life to Jesus. And for me, it just sent me into a tailspin of questions. And so I began asking those questions to my mom, my dad, and then uh, my mom were dri- and I were driving in the car one night. And uh, she finally was like, I, I think I think the, you know the answers to these questions. And I said, I think I do. And my mom, I was 11 years old, pulled the car over right there on the side of the road, uh, country town, South Carolina. And I uh, prayed to receive Jesus right then. The Holy Spirit came and my life was radically changed. But I was 11. So guess what? I didn't always stick in. Uh, and uh, then you fast forward to my freshman year of college. I'm sitting in my dorm room. I went to Clemson University. Uh, we just suffered a loss recently in football, so I don't want to talk about that. Uh, we'll we'll move forward. Moving on, moving on. 
moving on. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, studying astronomy of all things, I had to take a science, and so I was studying astronomy uh, as a marketing major, and uh, and had my Bible open of all things, and just looked at the grace of God I saw in the Scripture and the bigness of God in in the astronomy, if you will, and I just that was a moment for me where I kind of put my blank check on uh, the table that night as a 19 year old in my dorm room as a freshman by myself. Just said, Lord, whenever, wherever, however, I'm yours. I'll do it. And so uh, that kicked into one year later. I'm sitting at a church. A guy's talking about this thing called church planning. I didn't know what that meant. I never heard the term, and uh, but I knew that. Uh, the statistics I kept hearing for the church in North America weren't good ones. And so I was a problem solver. So I said, okay, well, the statistics aren't good. This guy says church planning is a way to help that. Uh, I'll just do that. So I went and got a book by a guy named Aubrey Malfers. It was about the only book out on church planning at the time and grabbed it, read it and said, all right, that's what I'll do. And uh, then fast forward a couple more years, really at 25, I jumped into the church planning journey at 25 and probably shouldn't have at that age. Uh, but the Lord was working on my heart and some other people were crazy enough to move with me to start this church. And so we jumped in at 25 and planted a, a church. That's rad, man. So, uh, how many years ago was that? So I moved, uh, to plant in 2005. We met in small groups, community groups, if you will, in the, in the city for two years, launched in 2007. Very cool. Well, you know, looking at, at your uh, books, there's kind of a, a, a theme. I think the theme in, if I'm looking at all three of your titles, it's kind of like, hey, we've got a big task, but the cool thing is anyone can do it, right? I mean, that's... Why didn't you write the books? That was such so much more simple than I put in all my books. So uh, <laughs> you, you you said it took me three books to do what you did in about 140 characters. Hey, you know what? People do it to my books too. I it, and it's so frustrating when someone summarizes your book and you're like, "Yeah, where were you when I was writing this?" That would have been the little tagline right there. I, I needed a tagline. I needed it. I mean, look look at the title of my last book: "The Simplest Way to Change the World." I couldn't even. The title is longer than what you just described the book in. So yeah, but I love that title. To be honest, um, that is such a great title. Um, and I'm not going to say the subtitle yet. Um, but what is the simplest way to change the world? Yeah, so I, I think you did summarize well. Really, the heartbeat um, that that God has put in me, and I, I think that no matter who you are, where you are, uh, if you've got a pulse in the Holy Spirit, uh, then God has positioned you. Uh, to be a part of his history sweeping mission. And so uh, I, I'll just say this. When we when we set out to plant, we did the whole study that everybody else does. And we looked at uh, the city we were in and the community we were in, and we went, wow, within three miles of this spot, uh, there's 100,000 people who don't know Christ. How are we going to reach them? And we basically sat there going, uh, I don't think we can. Like it was like this is terrible. Like we we set out to plant this church, to, and there was just more people who didn't know Jesus than we thought we could reach, and uh, and there were about nine of us in the room that day. We literally got on a map and marked where I lived, and this guy marked where he lived. We started marking where we lived. Well, then we we got in touch with somebody that we knew that worked with Google because at this time you couldn't drop a pin on the map. That's how long right. ago it was, and wow. uh, it, yeah, crazy, right? And uh, but he worked for Google, so he was able to do it for us. And we printed out this Google map with all the pins of everybody that was a part of our church in that moment. And then we looked at our city and we went, this is possible. Mm. Like 
maybe we can. And like, who lives in your neighborhood? Who lives in your area of town? Who lives on your street? And uh, we begin to think, gosh, this this might be possible. Uh, we've got a pulse. We got the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we're we got just enough knowledge to know where we live. So that's good. And uh, so we thought, wow, if we just open our homes to people, open our lives to people, and then speak truth from the gospel to people, what what could happen? And so that's where the journey begins. So the simplest way to change the world really is this idea of biblical hospitality as a way of life. And mm-hmm. what, what, could, what, what could God do through the simple opening of a home and the sitting at a table and sharing life with people? Yeah. And it's, it, it is the kind of thing like I can do that, right? Like I could invite my neighbors over and, you know, spend time in conversation with them. That's not too hard. Um, what, what have been some of the obstacles that you found when you started making this move? I mean, were there times where it was hard or there were kind of roadblocks to this or was it, you know, finding rhythms that were, I mean, what easy, hard, yeah. bit of the above? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Totally moments of difficulty. Uh, and you know, you, if you, if you're, you know, listening to the podcast, you're married, uh, you probably have the complete opposite personality of your wife. That's the percent <laughs> chances of that are probably pretty high, uh, just because that's the way the Lord does it right. Uh, often. And so, you know, for, for some it's, everything's got to be perfect in the house before someone comes over. And for the other, it's like, no, they need to see our laundry everywhere. And it's, I don't have time. Oh, we got plenty of time. And it's that back and forth Mm. and, uh, we're busy. And so, yeah, I think, I think calendaring it was huge for us in the beginning. Um, cause it wasn't natural to us. It wasn't a rhythm of life for us. Uh, hospitality wasn't this magical thing that I was good at or my wife was good at. We had to learn and grow in it. So we put it on the calendar and just said, all right, Wednesday's our day. Like we do it Wednesdays. And, uh, I can tell you now, fast forward a number of years, it's not on our calendar anymore because it's who it's become who we are. Wow. Um, and so our, because it just happens, our kids will ask, uh, almost every day who who's coming over tonight. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. And I have those days. Like I think a lot of people listening where it's like, uh, no one, <laughs> I right. want to, I, I had a long day and I want to go sit in a dark room and talk to no one. Like, why are you speaking right now? You know, right. like just right. chill. go to your room, but <laughs> that's right. Go to your room. I don't want to talk to people. Uh, but you know, the, the Lord has been so good in that, that it, it really has become a rhythm. Um, first, first Thessalonians two, eight says, not only did we share with you the gospel, we shared our lives as well. And so that mm. phrase, our lives as well has just become a, a theme for us because it has to, because it is difficult. It's going to cost you something. Right. Right. So that's really powerful. Um, let me, let me ask you this. What about like, uh, cause we, we know, right. We know in the, in the new Testament, when Paul talks about being an elder, um, he really doesn't, I mean, he really talks about character. I've been, mm-hmm. been thinking through this a bit. That, you know, we probably have in our mind what an elder should be, but Paul really, most of that's character. And he gives a slight nod to gifting when he says able to teach. It's just a right. slight nod. Yep. But then one of the factors that must be there is it says he must be hospitable. And I think mm-hmm. that we've heard often, we've, we've had people say, well, I don't have the gift of it's whenever we don't want to do something, evangelism. I don't have the gift of evangelism. That's not that. It's the same thing with hospitality. I don't have the gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality is never mentioned in the Bible. Hospitality itself is. And it's a requirement 
for eldership. And, and mm-hmm. my theory on this, and maybe you want to unpack this a bit, my theory on this is because that is the number one way to advance the gospel. If you're going to lead a church, you need to open your life, open your home, because it's so powerful. You can't have an elder who wants nothing to do with the community or the people around them. And in an, in, a, in an institution like the church that itself is a kingdom advancing, outwardly focused, forward moving mobilization of believers, you can't have someone who wants to isolate leading. I could not agree more. Um, matter of fact, the, if you, you want to look at it, the situations where leaders do that and they isolate, uh, we all know the stories and, and how that ends. We right. know the story of how that ends. It, isolation for a leader is destructive. Leading, leading is, is leadership is already lonely. And uh, you know, I, I think Wayne Cordero said this. Who you know, church planning champion, right? He he said, uh, "You teach people what you know, but you reproduce who you are." Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, it, shame on us as church planners if we're saying, hey, you, you got to reach your neighbor. You got to know your neighbor. And I'll be honest, for the first couple of years of church planning, that was me. I'm preaching it, but I think my neighbor's name was Jason, but I'm not really. I can't tell you right now. And uh, that was shameful because yeah. I'm telling people you got to do this. Well, the Lord begins to work on my heart. And sure enough. You know, you teach people what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Next thing you know, it's mm. it, it becomes a part of who it's like just like with adoption in a church, right? The pastor all of a sudden uh, decides he and his wife are going to adopt. Then you you typically after that see a little bit of a movement of foster care and adoption in a church. And uh, I think it goes to that principle of uh, Paul said, in, you know, in First Corinthians eleven one, follow me as I follow Christ. And so yes, I think we got to I think we got to do the same thing with hospitality. You follow you've, me. You've hit on something that to me is such a, a passion that we, we are so good at talking about things we don't do because, uh, talking is kind of like a release of built up tension. It's a, it's a pressure valve. And so then we can kind of deceive ourselves and feel like we did what we just talked about because we know it's mm-hmm. important. And I think as preachers who are called to communicate, that can be a trap that we become talkers. I love how Paul calls of false teachers in his day, idle talkers. Um, hmm. That's all they were. But Paul's the guy that's like, hey, let me tell you what I did. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, exa- that's you know? exactly right, isn't let, it? Yep. Let me just tell you how I lived and what I did. And, you know, they can be idle talkers all they want. And and unfortunately, we see this, you know. Um, I interview people a lot. And I got to say, Dustin, that it's it's rare that I find someone who has written a book on something like this and is actually a practitioner as well. So, um, you know, to our listeners today, this is not a book on theory. You should, you should. This is a, a, a book that's going to tell you how and it's going to tell you the journey. Um, tell me about food, you know, food prep. Cause I, I want to get down, you know, like Nacho Libre says, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down <laughs> to the actual, you know, what's it look like? Are we like, is it like Dustin cooking? Is it like a bunch of frozen tater tots and shredded cheese thrown on top? And boom. I mean, you might be Chef Boyardee, right? But I no, mean, that sounds that sounds outstanding, right? Now. Sound I want good, tater tots it? with cheese melted all over top. Hey, of right put now. that in a put that in a tortilla, <laughs> fold it over, and sell it to Taco Bell, man. That's a winner. But that, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteed Taco Bell has that. right? I'm sure that I've seen that. I just saw one with chicken nuggets, <laughs> and we were laughing last night at this commercial. But um, you know, uh, you know what? What's it? How do you do that? Because I, my wife and I, you know, we're hospitable and 
there have been times the wife's like, hey, order food in at this. Like right now, I got hospital visits with our baby. I got this. I got that. Right. I'm cool. Let's order in. What What do you do? And I know yeah. like Caesar Kalinowski, he'll actually give people set menu items. Like this is what you do. Here's the recipe. How have you guys made that work? Yeah, it's and it, honestly, it's it's different. Uh, and sometimes it'll depend on who's coming over. Um, there's certain people that, you know, they're a little bit more laid back. So maybe we're a little bit more laid back. I mean, I remember a time, just to be real honest, I was cleaning up our house mad, like, oh, we got to get everything ready. And my, my wife looks at me and goes, which was awesome on her part. She said, Dustin, we got to just stop cleaning. And I was like, why? She said, let's just be honest. We Our house is not that clean. I'm like, you're, you're right. It's not. So let's be who we are, one. But she said, also, we've been to their house. Their house is never clean. Like, they need to be comfortable here. And I just started laughing. I was That's like, all right, rad. well, I'm done cleaning. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, it's, uh, I, I, t- I tell you one thing, we, uh, I love to cook. I actually do um, love to cook. Uh, I think uh, if you're, if you're going to do it, do it, do it the best of your ability. Yeah. And if, if you're one of those people and you're sitting here listening, going, man, if I cook, People are going to die. Like, don't do that. Like, let's not kill people through <laughs> hospitality. Um, like, you, you know, food poison is not like maybe the best way to go about sharing the gospel. So, go, yeah, go get takeout. Buy, like, there's great food around you. Go get something local and and that you like and share it with those people. Share share stuff you like with people. Um, it's like our neighbors ne- right next door to us. I'm pointing because uh, you can't see that through listing, obviously, but I'm pointing because they live right next to us, an uh, uh, Iranian couple. And, uh, you know, we had them over, but then when they had us over, you know what they did? They cooked us their favorite traditional Iranian yes. meal. And it was incredible. And That's what I'm talking we, about. we, we loved that because they shared that with us. We, we want to do the same thing, but I'll tell you this real quick. We, we, I love to grill, uh, and depending where people live in the country, their list is, they might call it barbecuing. But uh, it's not barbecuing if there's no barbecue sauce. But that's just that's just me. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, you. So, it's, so I love the science. It's important to you know set these things straight, man. <laughs> so I love to grill. Uh, well, I, I I quit the habit of grilling in my backyard. I grill in my front yard now, um, and uh, that may seem like stupid or like redneck or something. But uh, gosh, it is incredible to see people just stop. And there have been numerous nights where. I'm just out there grilling. Smoke's coming out the grill. It smells good. And somebody says, what are you guys doing? We'll tell them, say, hey, why don't y'all come on? And sure enough, oh, they, they do. Nobody's going to say no to that, man. Food is such, you know, like people ask me, like, what advice do I give for church planning? It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Food's going to be involved in it. There's always going to be something to eat and something to drink, period. Yep. Like, you yep. just learn. And, and when you study the Gospels, food is such a prominent Part oh man, no of doubt. Outreach, you know. So um, that's cool, man. Yeah, people aren't going to say no to food for sure. No, um, give me not. give me some stories of some breakthrough because obviously, you know, I know it's it's not like you can't go. Yeah, you know, by the third course we do the Romans Road, and then usually about four <laughs> out of five people turn away, but one out of five, you know, there's no. These are people, and this is the Holy Spirit at work, right? That's He's right. like the win. We don't know, but um, are there any pointers or tips or even, you know, if you notice kind of like, you know what, I, I've, I've learned these things or any, any nuggets of yeah. wisdom that you learned in this process, you know, that you might write a book about, you know, the simplest way to, you know, change the world or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking crazy. <laughs> well, the good thing is, is the book is extremely practical uh, and very, <laughs> and very helpful. Uh, 
because I'm just one of those people like, tell me what to do and I'll try that. And so there's a lot of that in the book, but yeah, it, you know, patience is huge. Um, uh, we've got some neighbors, you know, like uh, our uh, neighbors who are next door, they're from Iran. They're incredible. They love to hang out. And, um, uh, now they eat dinner extremely late. Uh, so my kids are like, you know, like Tara's the next day, but they, they eat extremely late. So, uh, but then you go to the house next door and I think, I think that family's in witness protection. Like I can't, <laughs> like I, like I can't have a conversation with them. And so there's patience there. And then the lady across the street and her husband, um, her name is hope. Ironically, her name is hope because, uh, she's Wiccan. The first time my wife invited her to, uh, eat with us, uh, she said, Hey, you guys want to eat with us? She said, Oh, well, uh, just so you know, I'm Wiccan now. The lady had a, a little bit of pre-knowledge, I think, from other neighbors that right. uh, like I, di- I did something in the ministry. And so that's why she said it. But my wife was hilarious how she handled it. She, she said, you're Wiccan? She's like, yeah. She's like, now Wiccan eat, don't they? <laughs> and, she, and she's like, well, yeah. She's like, I'm just inviting you to eat. She's like, okay. They've become great friends of ours. But has Hope like turned from her Wiccan ways and turned to Jesus today? You know, like today? No. We're patient with that. Have we shared the gospel with her? Yes, numerous times. And so I think uh, one thing I'd say to people is it's probably not going to work the first time. It, it, it may not it may not work the second time. Uh, you got to be extremely patient. There's one couple. I mean, we've hosted a Bible study at their home. Uh, we've been doing life with them for uh, five years now. And uh, they are part of our church. Often they're there. Uh, we go on vacation with them. They have not prayed to receive Christ. Mm. And so um, uh, I keep sharing the gospel. I keep loving them. I keep caring for it. So one, I just say this. Don't stop. Be patient. It may take 70 years, but it's worth it. Yeah. You know what? I, I think even even if you talk to like somebody who's a salesman, they'll tell you that there's what's called the long game. You know, you mm. you. You know, and I remember first time I ever showed up to like a businessy thing. It was when we were starting up Church Planner Magazine. I'm not the businessy kind of guy. And it was for a really big, well-known church. All of you would know who it was. And they called us up and um, kind of like, you know, it was kind of like going straight to the top with something. And uh, everybody's just talking. And I'm I'm looking around like, hey, we're, we're here, you know, we're supposed to get. So I just go, hey, guys, what what do we what are we here to accomplish? Like, what's going on? Let's cut, let's cut to the chase. And everybody looked at me like, you know, I just brought out a voodoo doll or something, you know, like, <laughs> like, like what's wrong with you? You know? And, and I laughed on the way out. Cause I, I, I said to my, it was my co-host Pete Mitchell. I said, you know, obviously that's not what happens in the business world. He's like, no man. He's like, you just get to know people. It's like dating. It just, you were just like, hey, you know, like, so what are we doing? What do we hear about? And he goes, right. and, and people do that with the gospel, you know? Sure, like, absolutely do. Like, okay, invited you over. Now it's time for gospel time, you know? All right. Uh, yeah. Like I said, by second course, third course, really, um, like I said, the long game, it's, it's you know, you want to do business. You take them to a baseball game. You, you get to know them as people. You build trust and relationship. And um, how have you seen that kind of unpack? as you're opening up your life with people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of a, a couple that lives down the street, Vince and Darlene, uh, the, we've known them. We've been in this neighborhood five and a half years. We met them somewhere probably six months into living here. So we've known them five years and, uh, it, it it's, it has taken, uh, 
probably shared the gospel with him. Uh, I don't know, two months into our friendship, I would guess would be my best guess. Um, and have probably shared the gospel with them. Uh, I don't know, a hundred times since then <laughs> in mm. some form, some fashion. Yeah. And, and they, they, they're not there yet. And, you know, I, any question they have, uh, there's, there's certainly questions they ask that I don't know the answers to, but I'll go read, I'll go find Dustin, out. I'll talk is to Bigfoot somebody. Real? What about aliens? Is, is Bigfoot an alien reptilian? What's going on, Dustin? What does the Bible say about that? Uh, and, and my, my answer to that is my, my, my eight year old would say he has created a trap in our backyard that's going to catch Bigfoot. So to be determined, we'll see. Nice. Yeah, so that's I that's cool. I think he's a Nephilim yeah. personally, but uh, that's you know that's off the record. <laughs> just well, these are crazy conversations, but you you'll get in these when you're talking to people. Yep. And and how do you handle that? Are you like, no, no, I got to get back to the gospel? I mean, you know what? How do you how do you handle those conversations? You have them. You you just jump in. You just delve in. I mean, like right now, it's you know with uh, with. Neighbors, gosh! If I want to get them going, I want to get them to talk to some about something. I go, "Hey, what do you think about Trump?" Uh, that'll do it. Uh, hey, it's what, like pulling what do you think a about- pin and, and and dropping it in a room and shutting the door, isn't it? It is. Or, or you know, hey, what do you think about the NFL? Uh, what do you think about the national anthem? Um, you know, so I'll, I'll ask those questions, and that they eventually lead somewhere and to someone's story, and in some some way, you end up talking about brokenness. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got a story of brokenness and yeah. then brokenness. You talk about well, what gives you hope for that. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a conversation. And, uh, and so, yeah, you talk about stuff, you listen to people, you hear their stories, you talk about the crazy stuff. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and God will, will, you know, the scriptures say for it will not be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He'll, he'll, he'll prick your heart. He'll tell you what to say and tell you when, and when you don't know the answer, tell people, I don't know the answer, but I'll go yeah. find out. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point, and it, it goes back earlier to what you're saying about, hey, sometimes our house is dirty, and we just need to be us. Um, what I hear coming through for you is just that that transparency and that being real. Um, what do you think it does for people when they come in, they hear, you know, like Hope, you know, she hears that you're Mr. Minister, and then she comes in, she sits down with you, and she goes, hey, he's kind of a real dude. Like, what do you think that actually does for people in, in regards to the gospel? I think it lets them know that, it, it defines out what grace is. It lets them know that grace is possible for them because they don't look at me and my wife and go, well, gosh, they got it all together. Uh, they, they see our flaws uh, because we're very vulnerable. I'm yeah. very vulnerable to share my mess ups, my hiccups, my stupid decisions. Um, they see me and my wife not get along all the time. They see me not be the greatest dad to my kids. I'm sure sometimes I don't hide that. Yeah. Um, and what it does for them is they go, wow, this whole thing that he's talking about, actually is possible for me. It's not just some act or it's not something where he's checked off, you know, 15 rules and seven of these and 12 of the, like, this is like a real thing that's possible for me. Cause I, I just think a lot of people look and go, well, that's not me. I don't do the religious thing. I probably couldn't pull it off anyways. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like kids playing Simon says at some point you, you quit cause you just stink at it. And so you just get out on purpose. I think a lot of people do that when they see, oh, uh, Christianity, gosh, all these rules, I can't do it. So I quit. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. Simon says touch your head and they're like, they touch their head. Then they're like, touch your nose. They touch their nose just because they want to get out of the game. Yeah, I think and I think we we miss the fact that in in the media, I mean, it doesn't matter any raging jerk hole on the, you know, on a movie or a show right now is going to be depicted as a Christian or 
you know, the number one trait when they survey people and ask them, and, and you see it reflected in the media, um, what is the number one characteristic of a religious person? They will tell you that a religious person is critical. And cool. so here, you know, you're being real and you're being transparent and you're the opposite of critical. Yep. And I think, um, I think they begin to see Jesus there. And I think it, it helps people open up and begin to, to approach you with their problems, you know, because I mean, would you say that you find people that, that it's like they forget themselves, even if they've kind of got those walls that at some point, you know, you just hear that longing and that, you know, they, they approach you like, Hey, you know, like, like there's that kind of, uh, they, they'll start to self disclose and start to yep. ask you about, you know, where their lives are falling down. Yep. It tear, it tears down walls. It shatters barriers. Vulnerability does that. And, and when, as you do that, then you find the, the pain and, uh, Jesus is really, really good at healing pain. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. Well, look, we're running out of time. Um, it's been good. It's it's been a good conversation back and forth. This is something that that we discovered on accident in Wales because uh, it rains all the time and you can't do outside oh. stuff very much. Yeah, you're usually in eating or uh, you know you know that whole thing on the Hobbit about like he doesn't even know what second breakfast is. You know what about elevensies? <laughs> you know that's all you do there. You know it's like it, it rains all the time. So um, that that's a very real thing. The struggle is real there, but you learn hospitality. You know, sure. you learn that just sitting and talking with people and food really opens up a conversation. Well, brother, I'm, I'm glad that you've written a book, um, really for everybody. Uh, something if, if you're out there going, Hey, you know, um, what can I do, you know, to reach people? I love your wife's quote. Wiccans eat, right? I mean, Christians <laughs> eat, right? Like you, you want to reach people, you eat, you know, then, uh, this is a book you need to pick up. It's practical. It's a, it's from someone who made that journey self-confessedly from talking about it to doing it. And I think personally, we need more books like that. So, Hey, um, we ask a question every podcast and, uh, I want to ask this because, um, we, every podcast we ask this question, we end with it. No one ever sees it coming. It changes up the opponents and contenders. But uh, I just got off a call a little while ago with a gentleman by the name of Daniel M. And if you and Daniel M. were to get in a physical fist fight, who would win? Wow. You know, he looks like he'd be pretty quick and agile. But here's the thing. He's super nice. I'm not that nice. So I think <laughs> I think I Go think the eyes, man. I think I would win on pure meanness alone because like, I'm like the guy, like we're fighting and all of a sudden my thumbs like in his eye, you know, like I'll I'll do whatever it takes. So I think on meanness alone, I think he'd get me early, but then my meanness would, would take me a bit. I felt that coming on. You might even like, you know, grab, like reach for that spatula or that, you know, whatever it is, whatever's near man. I I like to win a lot. So I I would try. I I don't, I don't necessarily win a lot, but I I like to. Yeah. No remorse. there's yeah, only I victory. I, I dig it. So, so when I asked him the question, I asked him about Ed Stetzer and, uh, <laughs> and he said, he said without hesitation, oh, I'd win. I'm a black belt. So, you know, Taekwondo is not the street fighting sport, you know, necessarily, but, uh, yeah, I think if you get in quick and you're mean and nasty, you can disable him before he can, 
See, he he can bring his taekwondo. I'm I'm going MMA. It's you know, there's a little time. You might have yeah. a taste of taekwondo, but I mean, yeah, no. yeah. In Daniel's own words, it's not Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, um, <laughs> you know, hey. But anyways, man, our guest today has been Dustin Willis. His book is called "The Simplest Way to Change the World." Biblical hospitality is a way of life. You can get on Amazon or anywhere that fine Christian books are sold. Dustin, thanks for joining us today, man. Appreciate it. It's an honor. Well, you've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Thanks for joining us. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.